Oh, would you look at that? There's a new episode of the Black Cast on my phone, ready to play right now. All the broken Welcome to the Blackcast. We have a couple of the guys from Rough Cut, Dave Alford and Chris Hager. They have a great new song called Black Rose. For more information, go to Rough Cut. That's with two T's, official.com, or on Facebook, also Rough Cut Official. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey. hey. Question, thanks. So I'm going to assume it's probably the 6,000th time you're asked, but I'm always interested by stuff like this. Why is it rough cut with two T's? Was there a regular, just plain old rough cut, you know, sort of like how there was a British skid row before the skid row everybody knows wanted to put out their album and you just had to stick a T on the end? Or is there is there a, a, a more interesting story than uh, possible okay. legal wrangling? The, the kid that we had do the logo, back in the day, the logo was trademarked, okay? It was a piece of art, you know, it wasn't like block letters or nothing. And we had it there with the one T and it just didn't, it didn't, it, what do you call it when it's cement, when it's even? Yeah, it was asymmetrical. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We had to put another T on it to go with the rest of the letters to complete the logo. And that's yeah. funny that you asked that because to be honest with you, you're the first guy that's ever asked yeah. that question. And actually the wow. name originates from a movie uh, by the same yeah. name, uh, starring Burt Bart Reynolds. Reynolds movie. Yeah, was was the Burt Reynolds movie also with two T's, or was no, it? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And singer Paul had sent. You know, he came up with the idea to uh, call it Rough Cut. Was uh yeah did was uh it your second choice, and you felt that uh, Cannonball Run wasn't going to work as a band name. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know how much success did they have. 
well, look, uh, so uh, for I, I think a lot of people will know, but uh, for those that didn't, you know, Rough Cut had a, a very specific moment in the 80s, you know, major label albums, uh, big time support on some big tours. And I don't want to diminish any of these success you had, but I feel like you guys would be on the list of one of those bands of like, hey, why weren't they huge? You know, you guys, you guys, uh, you, yeah. you had had success. <laughs> Uh, is there is there one thing I think usually when you talk to those bands that were like right on the verge of it, there's a number of things happen. Why do you think it, it was you know good success, but not like you know it didn't explode like the way it did for some other it, bands? It's real. It's real simple actually. Um, timing. And uh, when we got signed, Ted Templeman from Warner Brothers signed us. And we wanted to, and he wanted to produce us, and we wanted him to produce us. Trouble is, is he was, you know, obviously very busy with Van Halen. And then and Roth. Roth's record had just come out. He was working on that. So we waited almost a year. I mean, like nine months to a year waiting for Ted. And in the meantime, it's like, you don't want to like lose your A&R person. So what happened, our A&R person flaked off. And then we were sort of what you would call orphaned. Right. And uh, we right, makes sense. actually got another A&R person. But they weren't, you know, we weren't their baby. You know, A&R people like to, uh, you know, nurture a band. And, and so it's, they put it on their, you know, where badge, you know. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, one of those. It sounds like it was a bit of a mixed blessing. Like that's that's awesome that Ted Templeman was interested, but uh, obviously with high profile clients, you know, like, you know, collaborators like he had, uh, yeah, having to wait a little while makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hey, obviously, go ahead. Ted's the guy that signed us. We did yeah. a showcase for him. Yeah, we, and uh, we, did we didn't showcase. have a and R department involved when we got our deal. The in-house producer, he got Mo to sign us, and you know we were on our way, and they assigned us an A and R guy who, like Chris said, while we were waiting, as our window was closing, he flaked off and went to another label, and then you we know, got a guy taken over for him that we wasn't really that yeah, into. Yeah, and so, this happens, you know, all I mean, the time. This happens all the time, but the problem was is right. When we did finally, you know, and we wound up with great producers. Right. So that was the upside of it. But the downside of it is right when we did that, sort of the current changed a little bit. On MTV, all of a sudden right. you were seeing Cindy Lauper. And, yeah. yeah. right. and and then it sort of flip-flopped back. But right. it was just in that little window of time. And because uh, I think we had a couple of hit songs. Uh, sure. That, that that would have done well, but uh, you know the other thing is we were we were you know we did a lot of touring uh, uh, with Ronnie. We were doing we were backing up uh, Ronnie at arenas, and uh, we would you know we would go into these cities, and you know half the time they wouldn't you know the record company wouldn't have a uh, meet and greet set up for us, or or we would get there and there'd be like two records at the record store. Back then, you know, you remember, it's like you'd go to a you'd go to a store, you'd go see a concert, and if you loved the band, the first thing you'd do is you'd head to the record store, yeah, buy the record, and if it's not there, man, 
you couldn't download anything back then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was like I mean I remember you know you'd be like uh, oh yeah you don't you don't have this album it's like yeah we could probably get it for you in like two or three weeks you know because yeah. of right. how long it took them to order it yeah. Right. You know. So so it was a few things that. Yeah. Was- no. No. I can see that being a, a problem, and uh, you know ha- having it you know, not being the push, you know, I mean, look, if you're, especially if you're, you're touring with Ronnie James Dio, uh, obviously you're going to have a lot of people there in the building, but if you don't have that support staff, you know, making sure that, like you said, you know, you're in Oklahoma city uh, tonight. uh, Let's make sure that some of the big record stores have some, some new fresh copies to put on the shelf. And uh, you know, I I think that uh, I can see, and, and, Look, I mean, I think that would be a story if you guys, you know, had, uh, you know, put out uh, albums on a small label. But to be on a big label and have that happen, I can see that that's really got the the deck stacked against you. So uh, there's a lot of time in, in, in between sort of that period that we're talking about and right now. So talk about the decision to do this version of Rough Cut and how long you guys have uh, been recording music and, and playing together this time around. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give him half of it. You take it. Yeah. Well, um, it was when we went back together for like we did the Monsters of Rock cruise and a few other shows and hooked back up with Wendy and was out playing. Okay. And then when uh, uh, everyone kind of had their own thing going on at the same time, agenda, right? A different agenda. <laughs> so, Chris and I and Paul and Carlos Cavazzo and Sean McNabb put together what we call Rough Riot. Okay, so you had the singer from Rough Cut, and he also did a record with Quiet Riot. So we called it Rough Riot. Okay, members from each band. And when that didn't pan out, the two of us decided to keep Rough Cut going and some of the other guys were doing other things. They weren't interested, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Sure. Yeah. So we went out, got a new lineup. Right. And uh, as it happens, the singer that we're working with now, he used to be in a band with. Yeah. And so Back that's kind of the, you know, thing. it's like musical chairs almost. But this lineup that we have right now, we're very happy with the lineup. We're very proud of what we're done, what we've done. And we're in the studio as we speak and, uh, you know, working on new material. Yeah. For those that are watching the video version, they can uh, see that uh, you guys are literally sitting together in the studio, uh, you know, working and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the, the guys that are in this version of the band. Uh, I've talked to Jeff Buner before in uh, with regards to his band loyal order. Right. Uh, and right. I know he's also uh, with you guys uh, and yeah. uh, you know, had a great chat with him I don't know, a couple months ago. So talk about uh, him and the, uh, the other guys that, and you know, how, how it all came together and yeah. how long you've been playing and, and, and all that. You moved. Sure. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's basically um, so once, once we, you know, realized that we weren't going to be playing with the other guys uh, I started, I, I, called up Steve in St. James and I said, Hey, look, you know, I was over here writing songs. Dave was coming by. And I said, I said, Hey, Steve, why don't you want to come by and write some, you know, uh, write some songs with me? He said, sure. So we sat down and it was just like, we just never skipped a beat. Right. Um, and meanwhile, Dave had gone and seen Steve and perform live. 
And then Dave came over and listened to what we were doing over here. And we said, you know, this is, you know, this is like really good. This is what we want to be doing. And so we realized, well, we got, we need, we want to have two guitar players. We wanted to keep that format. So we, we started looking around. We talked to a lot of guitar players uh, and, uh, you know, everybody was sort of like, yeah, but you know, it's like, you know, how much are you guys making on, you know, on, you know, on, on the road and all that. And it was like, well, we were just getting going really. Um, but, uh, uh, we did find, uh, Daryl Householder Darren. Uh, and yeah, Darren, so, yes, yeah. sorry. Um, who, uh, plays with Jizzy and love hate. And, uh, he was, he was interested. And so we uh, got together with him and we had some chemistry he and I did and uh and with the whole band and then uh Jeff uh uh, uh yeah how, how did uh, I forget uh, years ago not to skip back but after when rough cut parted ways Chris moved to Portland yeah. right he lived up there for a while had a project with black and blues guitar player Jeff I mean uh Woop Woop, Warner. yeah, yeah. Woop Warner. And uh, now one of the guys that had taken Tommy Thayer's place in Black and Blue, which still plays in Black and Blue now, Brandon Cook, he sure, yeah. and Jeff are in Loyal Order. So, uh, right, yeah, yeah. You're Brandon. Because yeah. You're yeah. Right. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah, t- yeah. Tommy Thayer got a, a slightly high-profile, better-paying gig. You know, yeah, just slightly, <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, it shows again how it's such. Um, everything's kind of in-house. Well, yeah, know, for sure. It's like uh, it's like some friends of ours that said, "What comes around goes around," and right. and what was true back in the early '80s, uh, the musical chairs and. Yeah. Uh, the everything that was happening back then is true today really and uh so yeah we 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 had talked to brandon we had talked to him about being in the band and he was kind of doing some other things so he was like yeah i want to do it but he goes we asked so him, we started yeah, with bass player <laughs> <laughs> he was cool you know, you know and, uh, and so basically that's that's where we that's where the lineup came from yeah well uh Sorry, what was that, Dave? I said we're real happy with it. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, so, for, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, there is a uh, there's a video out there for uh, for Black Rose, and uh, you know people uh, are are able to see it. Uh, I'm you know uh, so, and they can find it on the uh, the band's YouTube page. You know that's yeah. Uh, it's yeah. The, Type in the, cut black rose. Yeah, the the easiest way to get it is is just to uh, find it there, uh, and uh, you know, for uh, people watching uh, on YouTube, you can actually uh, see it uh, make while sure we're talking. You push subscribe. Yes, definitely. Make sure you definitely make sure you subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> subscribe, subscribe to our channel. Subscribe to theirs as well. Uh, and so, let's talk a little bit about that song. And, uh, you know, sort of what the, the plans are. Is it, you know, one of several songs you plan to release? And, uh, you know, what the plans are in terms of, a, you know, a new album, perhaps, you know, what the, yeah. what the game plan is? Well, basically, we've got songs in the queue right now. We've got a couple more that we're finishing up right now. And then we're going to go back in and do basic tracks for a couple of more. Um, our strategy basically is to uh, uh, release yeah, an EP. EP. And it's gonna. I, we're just 
saying basically it's going to be out this year. We may release another single in the meantime, just to keep people, you know, give them their give them their fill of rough cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we, we've we've actually been offered a couple of deals uh, already, but we've turned them down because we didn't feel they were quite right, right for, for what us. we wanted to do. So we're uh, we're our, our strategy really is to put the music out there uh, and uh, and talk to folks like you and uh, uh, get get people interested so that we can actually get the deal that we're looking for. Uh, the song is getting a lot of traction already worldwide, and it's doing what we thought it would do. That's why we decided to shoot a video to go with that first yeah. single. Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about the video. Uh, you know, that's it's got uh, you guys. Looks like you're on a stage, uh, but there's a there's a story with it too. You know, very reminiscent of videos that you remember from back in the day. There was usually a story yeah. with it. Uh, yeah. And so, talk about kind of taking the time to actually make this video and and you know actually like filming it. You know, like a little mini movie. Yeah, well, this room you see right here is actually a pretty famous room at, at a place called Mates which is actually right down the street from me right here. And uh, we have we friends. To, we, used to, we, have, we have friends that we actually were the first band that ever rehearsed there. In that very uh, way. Wow. Dio rehearsed there. Guns rehearsed there. I mean, you know, Ozzy auditioned people there. Yeah. So that room has a lot of history. So we went in and uh, Bobby, Bobby Bruner, the uh, owner, basically gave us, uh, he said, you know, go ahead, guys, you know, whatever. whatever. Oh, that's great. And uh, so, it, you know, it really helps to uh, to know people and not to burn any bridges. And we've been real we've been real careful about that. But just, just being some real, and, you know, and fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we shot that, you know, in a half a day. And then in the meanwhile, uh, we had some guys, Jeff knew some guys up in Portland that uh, were video uh, editors and and basically did video. I think they did his video, right? Yeah, they did. He's yeah. done all of them. So they did they did this part of it, and then we you know they cut it all together, and this is what we came up with, and it turned out pretty much really the way we we wanted it to. We wanted it to be have sort of an eighties, yeah, a little yeah. bit throwback to it. But we maybe we did right like the song, like the song has a twist to it, but it's still like rough cut the co- at the core of it it's mm-hmm. still sound and uh the storyboard part you know with the girl priya panda okay that's in the video is a shot in southern california and uh, we we just uh managed to put the two together to coincide with the live stuff and we elected to shoot at bobby's for several reasons but it brought us back to where we started yeah. See, that's uh, like Chris was saying. We were um, we were the first band, actually, very first rock band that he had in that state in that room uh, when yeah. he opened way back in the yeah. eight. Now the guy's got like you know Everybody. half a dozen different facilities <laughs> for himself. Right. So we have we have a lot of we have a lot of love for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and I think that, uh, it, you know, it, there's so many ways to get music out now that's different than before. And, you know, having a video, it, it's very easy because you can 
put it on your website, share it on social yeah. media. But if, you know, if, if I see the video and I like it, I can just very easily send that link to someone, you know, it's a, there, there's a, obviously a lot of ways in which the, the music industry is so different, but there are some things that you can do that are so much better than before, you know, because it's like, Absolutely. you know, if you, you had a, you know, an, an album or a cassette, you'd have to like, let your friend borrow it, you know? And like, okay, yeah, yeah the next time I see you, yeah, you should no, listen to it. Days, it's baby yeah. up, Scott. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. And I look, uh, at, I look at technology as a double-edged sword, really. Sure, absolutely. There's, there's, there's downsides and there's upsides to it. And you, you know, if you're smart, you'll embrace it and, and leverage the upside. And you'll find a way to yeah, and you'll find a way to use both That's in right. our business and in, in audio. You know, like yeah. uh, we're in the studio right now. At Chris's home. We're sitting in our studio. We haven't named it yet, but it's uh, we use, there's a lot of you know older outboard gear and yeah. stuff that everybody wants it. to get their hands on. <laughs> yeah, but we do follow our same. I guess we just call it a sound, our sound, rough cut. Yeah. You can tell that's rough cut. Yeah. You know, when you hear it. But like I, I believe it's got a twist. What did you think about Black Rose? I thought it was good. I, I you know, it's funny because uh, I, to me, it, it, it sounds like, you know, in a good way, it's reminiscent of, you know, music that I would have heard. 25 30 years ago but not in the way where i'm like oh it sounds dated you know what i mean like stylistically in the approach so but it was like a modern version of it so uh so yeah i, I got to listen to it a, a few times over the last week and uh i i thought that uh it's good it, it definitely captures that tone because you know you 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 can go at it a few different ways you you can you know try and sound like bands now and then it's that's not who you guys are so that's not going to work but right. you also don't want it to sound like what was this was this an outtake from the second record that's you know? right. Right. So, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a fine line and and, and you got to find that it's rough cut <laughs> yes yeah. It is. yeah i know it definitely it, it definitely is and uh i think uh yeah i think it's it's great and you know it's just it's more the I guess part of the challenge is that, you know, finding places to bring it to people's attention, you know, you have, there's, there's so many outlets for, you know, music from the eighties and nineties, like on, <clears throat> on Sirius XM, there's a channel that they call hair nation. And some yeah, of the yeah, bands yeah. on that channel don't like the fact that it's called that, but they're, you know, but the problem is it's like, they don't play, you know, it's like if, that's if those bands right. have new music, they don't play it. No, they just play the old stuff. That's a problem. It really yeah. And, problem. and I think that it's like, well, you know, do you want to maybe mix in, I don't know, in an hour, three new songs, four? Is that crazy? Right. You know? But you think that, uh, there would be a, uh, there would be an audience for that. Right. Yeah. Um, I think there would be. Well, there, got, I think there is. The like, only Black Rose is picking up a lot of airplay all over the world. Yeah. It's, it We're is. very yeah. surprised at how it's being added to streaming stations, radio stations, college. I mean, it's 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 just now picking up some steam. And it's a yeah. good song. It speaks for itself. And and I'm glad we chose that one to be the first single. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we yeah, no, definitely. I think. And, and it's great that there's success. And I think that, uh, you know, you just sort of. You, you have to find the right outlets because I it makes sense that there's plenty of people, whether it be, you know, traditional radio, 
maybe a, a, a special show that they have, you know, on, on weekends or whatever, or it, it's an internet one. Just the idea of like, you know, you know, what would be great is to not play the same 50 songs I play every week. So when you get new songs, right. you would think that they, that, that, uh, you know, they, they would be excited, but a lot of times it's, you know, it's not, I mean, you, you guys know, I know, but just for the audience, a lot of times the people you hear on the radio have no input on what they play. You know, sure. it's like, you gotta, you gotta They're pick from the most. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I mean, and, and, and they're probably, they might not even be in the city. You listen to them in and they probably recorded a five hour shift in the course of like 40 minutes, you know, yeah. and they, they're told you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I know I'm very glad that uh, it, it's getting attention and and just sort of realizing how how that you can take advantage of things. And you know, I mentioned you guys, you know, you have well, Rough Cut Official as the website and and on Facebook and the, I was there's the Rough saying, Cut YouTube Social media. I mean, yeah. right now on Facebook alone, we've passed a half a million views already. Yeah, that's great. On the video. So yeah. We're, yeah. we're happy with So it. that's, you know, that's the upside. I mean, the downside is that you get, you know, fraction of a penny uh, for every time yeah. the song gets streamed. And you're basically, your music is basically exploited these yeah. days. So yeah. it's, it's very difficult to make any money off of the music itself. That's, that's, that's one of the negative sides of the digital what, age. What? Um, you know, I think one of the one of the other things is we don't have to go and uh, with our staple guns and our flyers anymore. Spray Spray glue. Yeah. Mario used to tell us uh, the owner of the Rainbow, Mario Pegliari. Yeah. He we me and Vince Neil would be sitting upstairs in the office and he'd go, Do you know how hard it is to get that crap off of the yeah. Roxy's windows? <laughs> I mean, he'd be bitching us out. I got arrested for it once, man. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was because, because I mean, we would go on the street. Just back when I was playing with uh, Stephen Piercy in, uh, in uh, Mickey Rat uh, days, and yeah. uh, we would we would drive around, and, you know, I, I'd be shotgun, so I'd be the guy with yeah, the, the stack. stack of fire. <laughs> and there, we'd be putting them over, you know, uh, other a dozen fly. other uh, bands fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, nobody, no, uh, nobody, nobody needs to see Poison on Thursday. They need to see us on Wednesday. You know? and, and it's plus, like I said, it, it's it was work. Sure, I mean, yeah, it was your job to do this if you wanted to dominate Sunset Strip. Yeah, yeah, um, you had know, to do it. You know, you had people to did. Do it. People did some pretty crazy uh, shit, man. I mean, Rough Cut was fortunate, like we were saying earlier. Like, we got to do certain things. Like, uh, at the time, I was, like, really close friends with Vince Neil, and we put this thing together for the little – remember the, the pictures of the little girls on the – or the children on the side of a milk carton? Yeah, sure. I'll find the children. It was Party Ninjas, we call it with us, me and our guitar player, Amir, and Vince singing, and uh, Randy Castile on one drum kit, me on the other, Jimmy Bain playing bass, craziness, you know, all get together and do stuff. In Santa Monica Civic Center, we did the, the Long Beach Arena. Back then, you would come out of the rainbow at 2 o'clock and literally wade through flight. <laughs> and people. Yeah. And yeah. They just moved the party 
from inside <laughs> to the park. Yeah, because they'd have to get, you know, two o'clock was the uh, curfew. So everybody'd have to be out of there too. So you'd have the, the parking lot full of all the same right. people that were just and, and they'd be close. there for till what three three thirty till the sheriffs run you off. Or, or you know if there were parties <laughs> yeah. you know take yeah, off and, take off up into the hills yeah but i mean those, those days were were you know a, a unique yes. time in history yes. i think and you're never going to see that again. exact thing again yeah. it was a phenomenon and, the days know, of clark street you know. Come to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, uh, you know, even when things are in full swing on Sunset now, I mean, you know, plenty of, you know, the, the whiskey, the Roxy, you know, those places are all still open. Yeah. But if you're there, you're, you're, you already know what bands are playing and you're, you've made yeah. plans to go. You know, you're not getting like, hey, do you want to check out this band or whatever? Right. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, that, there's obviously that's a tremendous difference uh, from then, but uh, yeah, that's, that's something that, uh, you know, I, I grew up in New York and I was, uh, I was uh, much younger at the time. So it was always fascinating just to sort of hear well, about you that guys. Time. You guys had the village. There's all yeah. the cool stuff up there. We're back in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's all, true. All I mean, the Lemoreses and, uh, Lemore yeah. South. I mean, they had some really cool places to play. We did the beacon up there with uh crocus okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it was crazy <laughs> yeah yeah sure yeah did. i mean that's a yeah and that's a that's a big uh two level uh venue the the beacon yeah i mean i definitely saw shows there in the day and uh it, it's, it's interesting when you go to but when you go to a place like the when you go to a place like the whiskey you feel like I, I, you know, it's like, well, this is probably exactly what it was like, you know, when I, I've talked about in other interviews, you know, you hear about how Jim Morrison was afraid to face the audience. So he would stand backwards and you're just like, yeah, it's, 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 it is one of those great places to go to. I don't know if it's great to play because you can't get that many people. In well, there, I can but, tell uh, you this, the stage is still in the same place. It's, yeah. it's, it's, still, it's still small. It's in a corner. <laughs> yeah. Same stage. Uh, Mario told us many stories about Jim and everyone running up and down the street. You know, guys from the cream, Eric Clapton, you know, fire crazy. But uh, yeah. it's uh, it is different now. Well, it's yeah. different and it's the same. I mean, they they recently upgraded the sound system. Oh but, yeah, but the lighting still sucks and the place, <laughs> the place is just iconic though. It's yeah. it's more of it's a, vibe. a landmark. It's now. a vibe. It's it, is. it is. It's you know? a yeah. I'm just. Just walking down the, just walking down, you know, half a block to the rainbow afterwards. And That's yeah, right. yeah, about, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, Alice Cooper played there. He did like a special show. Uh, it was tied into an album release and he said that the, the last time he had played there, he opened for Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so oh, wow. no, no, I think Led Zeppelin opened for him actually. Uh, I think I heard about yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Robbie Krieger from the doors was there and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's, it, it's cool. Like, you know, when you get to see things like that and a, a friend of mine hosted, to the TV show from there uh, called World's Greatest Tribute Bands, where every week it would be a different tribute band from around the country. It was a TV really? show. So I got to go there all the time, uh, you know, when she was doing the show. And you just really kind of get to appreciate like all those little those little venues there, which it's great that they're open. And the reason why I started, I transitioned to talking about them is, you know, you're talking about sort of the difficulties and, you know, it's great that music is available and people can get it, but the artists obviously don't make a lot of money. A couple of years ago, the solution is, well, we'll go out and tour, but that's obviously been a challenge lately. So yeah. you guys are doing new music. You hope to put out an EP later in the year. 
Uh, how are prospects for doing live shows? Do you have anything this year, maybe next year, or what are you looking at right now? We're working yeah, on it. As we we've, got, we've, got, uh, we've got tentatives already set up beginning July. Uh, I don't think we have anything that's confirmed yet. But Well, there's the, that one show in Arizona. Yeah, okay. In so, October. So most of it's tentative, but we're just we're just getting started with that. So uh, yeah, we're looking to you know we're, we're looking and to be as, out there. as soon as you know like everything opens back up a hundred percent because and I mean it's opening in a lot of places now, but here on the west coast it's been very slow. Yeah, it's slow. to reopen. Yeah. But of course we'll probably play the whiskey and other places you know in town and. Uh, you know, by the way, speaking of that, I meant to tell you, the state made the whiskey a landmark. That's right. It's oh, great. That's yeah, right. You can't touch it. You can't tear Which it I think down. Is fantastic. You can't do anything, you know, with the structure. It's a state landmark. Oh, that's uh, that's great. I mean, it, it is such a great place to, it is to go back to. The rest of Hollywood is really being built around. It. Yeah. It's, it's, be, it's just becoming sort of a parody of itself. Uh, it's Oh, I mean, corporate interest or just, I mean, you know, they, they fortunately reopened in another location, but when, uh, when Amoeba records like closed and moved out and, you know, and, and it's just, and everything gets replaced with, uh, with luxury apartments, you know? So it's like, it doesn't, it, it's not like, you know, nothing great moves in, you know, when it replaces all these old places that you liked, you know, the, uh, the house of blues closed there yeah. on, on yeah. 10 years ago, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just, everything gets replaced with, uh, with, uh, luxury apartments and townhouses you and know, stuff. And yeah, it's like, it's like the, uh, Cinerama dome. The, uh, yeah. Now it's, it used to be this really cool place. Now it's still there. But it's just a little Surrounded. piece, yeah. <laughs> a bigger company. Yeah. Well, the then the the company that that yeah, yeah the company that owns the Cinerama Dome, you, you know, there was a, a separate like movie theater that was also there, the ArcLight. They're yeah. not going to reopen. Uh, so oh, like, that that's, right? yeah, that that like just within the last month or so, they announced that you know after being closed for a year for uh, COVID and stuff, they're like, you know what, we're not going to reopen. Uh, so people are worried about like the actual Cinerama Dome, not so much about the the other movie theater, the other screens, yeah. but just because that's that's such an iconic. I mean, you see pictures oh, of like the Star Wars premiere, close encounters of the third kind, and yeah, and so the idea that that might not be there is yeah, so yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so that, so yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, sort of talking about the West coast, you know, I mentioned Alice Cooper a minute ago. He, uh, I was just talking to somebody about this literally yesterday. Uh, Alice Cooper and Ace Freely, uh, announced a tour that they're doing, but there's no dates on the West coast. This is like uh, the no three pay. states. He's I'm like, I'm yeah, no, no, no Washington, no Oregon, right. no California. He's like, why? Well, I, I th my guess is that they'll probably add some later, but yeah. it, probably because when they started routing it, it's like, well, we don't know what we can do there. But then right. you have like, yeah. but then like the, the, the black crows say that they're going to play indoors at the forum. And uh, I have a, I have tickets to see Weezer and green day at Dodger stadium in September. Nice. It's like 55,000 people. And, uh, and they tell me it's going to happen. I'm like, well, I don't believe you, you know, <laughs> like, like, show, show me that this can really, really happen. I, you know, I took, I took my kids to Disneyland on Sunday. It was 25% capacity. It was kind of amazing actually, but you're just like, this doesn't seem like the, the really big shows are going to happen, but 
I, you know, obviously the the smaller venues are are what you yeah. you got to figure that a lot of those places are hurting, and you hope they're able to reopen, and uh, hopefully, you know, the the tentative dates that you guys have lined up uh, get to be a little bit more official uh, before too long. Yeah, and, uh, obviously, rough cut with two T's rough cut official uh, Chris, something that you mentioned earlier, I wanted to circle back to, cause you were talking two things you said earlier about not burning bridges and how everything goes full circle. You know, you talked about how you were originally part of rat when it was Mickey rat, well, but I, I know you I, also worked with Steven Piercy yeah. again within the last few years. So talk about kind of, you know, just knowing Steven yeah. and the fact that you're able to work with him, you know, all this time later, you know, and yeah. kind of the importance of maintaining those relationships. Yeah, well, I mean, he, <laughs> I'll tell you the quick story of this anecdote. I mean, he, he and I have been friends since 76, and we were the co-founders of Mickey Rat, which later became M-Rat and then became Rat. Right. And uh, we were from San Diego. We lived I was in San in Diego. <laughs> and um, uh, we were both in San Diego, and I had just moved back to San Diego. I was there originally. And my friend was a guitar player and he was just doing these jams. And I said, Hey, look, man, uh, you know, we need a singer. I said, I asked him, do you know anybody? He goes, well, he says, there's this guy I met down at the boardwalk. His name is Steve. And I said, well, shit, you know, bring him, get him over here, you know? So sure enough, Steven shows up and he's got hair down to here. And, <laughs> uh, and he shows up and he was kind of this trippy guy, you know, it was like, he was, you know, kind of like real introverted. And we were like, hey, man. So he's standing. He in the, played guitar. Right? He played yeah, guitar, yeah. too. But he, we didn't, he didn't do it at that particular time. He, he wasn't. But um, he, so he's standing in the, he's kind of standing in the, on this, you know, in the corner saying we could just kind of hear him. And, you know, he sounded all right. But, you know, he looked cooler than shit. And here's the thing, though. He asked me for a ride home afterwards. And I said, sure, man. Uh, he had gotten dropped off and uh, he just opened up, man. He was, he was like, he's like, dude, this could be done. I'm like looking at him like, what? He's like, no, dude, this can be done. It's like, you know, we, we, we can do this. We can basically, we can pour cocaine on our cereal, you know, if we want to do that, you know, <laughs> and I never heard anybody talk quite like that. Yeah, was, he, I was immediately gravitating. He was a very gravit gravitating guy. And, uh, you know, uh, so uh, we, we became fast friends. And we this was so about a year and a half later after that band, which was called Crystal Pistol, uh, we formed, we split off, splintered off and uh, came yeah, up with Mickey Rat. Rat. Yeah. And uh, then what happened was we were we did all the you know, uh, venues in San Diego, but in the late, late 79, Steven said, look, we've got to move to LA if we're going to do anything. And he had lived here before, actually, when he was younger. And I was hesitant. I was really like LA, you know, and San Diego is a completely different universe. And, uh, so he talked me into it and we, we drove up here in two cars. Our drummer had this little truck and, uh, and Stephen had had this little, I think it was a Datsun B210, everything we owned, right? You know, uh, and and moved into this lady's garage that had been fixed up to, into a room, his sort aunt. of. No, it was uh, it was a friend. It was a friend of his uh, mom's, and uh, 
Mrs. O'Neill. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that garage, uh, you know, we did it. We slept there. We had our equipment in there. We partied in there. We did the whole thing. And uh, so that that was really how that came about. And when we moved up here, it was funny because we 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 wanted to, you know, we, we, we found a bit booking agent and they were telling us, look, at the time, it was still the whole skinny tie thing. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy's like, oh, no, you guys got to catch your hair and all this shit. And we're like, really? You know, yeah. like, do you, do, you oh. have, do you have any songs that sound like Devo? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we didn't. So, so, we had to, <laughs> so we had to do some covers. But uh, we, we eventually we worked our way out of that and started doing we started doing originals i remember seeing you guys when y'all would do hot rocking and some other stuff we did some free stuff yeah yeah sure. i remember when i we was did. in max habit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. by yeah. the time i got to rad it was the jakey lee era yeah so oh, okay reason, sure i i the reason i left is that we just uh uh, had a, just sort of a difference of opinion about the musical direction. I sort of wanted to do something a little bit more melodic. And back then, we were sort of not that melodic. Of course, Rat transitioned into a very melodic rock band. But uh, uh, that's when I hooked up with Steve and St. James. And because we were we were playing, do you remember Gazzari's? I've I've heard tell of it. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. definitely yeah, it was, before it my was, time. But yeah, well, the it. building is still there. It was called the Key Club after, after that. that. But it was and one of the, It was yeah, that's yeah. right. It was one of the big venues there. The Doors right. played there. Van Halen played there. That place had four stages. No, it had six. Six stages. stages. Wow. <laughs> You'd have to work your way up to the best stage, right? right. So Stephen, Stephen, and I with Mickey Rat were playing there every other weekend. So we were one of the sort of house bands and, uh, and Steven was in this other band called Sexus. And then there was this other band called Rock's Regime. That was I remember there, those guys. Right. And <laughs> turned into Striper. Right. And, right. uh, and there was a lot of that going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, uh, Great White used to be called Dante Fox. Yeah. And we used to play with them at the Troubadour. So this was all big one, one big incestuous family back yeah. at that time. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, Stephen and I re remained really good friends. We didn't let that, you know, come between us. So we we basically, and then Rat did what it did, and I wound up joining up with Dave and Paul. And we were Dio's. all supposed to release our records around mm -hmm. the same time. Oh, okay. We waited. Like actually, Wendy described it to me this way: the way I think it came down is we actually got signed first. About two and a half weeks later, Motley Crue signed with. Uh, well, they were they had leather they records. No, yeah, their their major label was Electra. Electra, Electra, and then about a month after that, uh, it was Spencer Proffin. You know, Quiet Riot got their yeah. thing with Pasha. All right, but everybody else went and put out their records yeah put and, out EPs and stuff that's what rad did right. and they they were they you know they got turned yeah. down a lot right. we know? waited and that's you know um, what happened but us. when they when yeah. they hit they hit yeah know? uh but that we was, were all we were all hanging out man right. what just, was that guy's name it's his uh the the comedian 
Oh, Kennison? No, not Sam. Uh, the guy that did rat. His oh, brother, Burl. Marshall. Oh, Milton Burl. Yeah, Milton Burl's yeah. in like, isn't he in the, he's in the video. Milton Burl. Milton Burl, yeah. Milton was his father. And yeah, he was, and he was in the, the Marshall. Video. Marshall was uh, Rat's manager. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so later, later on down the line, Stephen and I got together again. I, we actually, he, you know, he, he had a really nice place and he let me come in and said, Hey, come on in and, and why don't you stay with me and let's, let's put together a studio in the back. So we did that and we were, uh, we were uh, recording, he put together a little label and we were, we were recording bands, demos and stuff. And we were doing our own stuff. This was, around uh, uh, 90, 91. So it was kind of after Rat had sort of, you know, they'd sort of peaked out by then. And uh, so we, we got together and you can buy some of that stuff that we did. It was hell, it was just drum machine stuff. He and I writing and him coming <laughs> singing it. And, and uh, it was just the two of us, me playing bass and guitar. And, uh, and a lot of that stuff is on Amazon. On Amazon, you can wow. get Ricky Rat, and yeah. so you know. And then, most recently, uh, around 2013, he asked me to come to come join the band, his solo band. So I I, uh, I hadn't played for a long time, and he he said, "Listen, why, you know, I need another guitar player. You know, you want to come? Why don't you why don't you just come? You know, join the band." And, you know, I thought about that for about two seconds and said, yeah, let's do it. But I, I really had to, uh, I, like I said, I hadn't played in a while. I was doing other things. I had started a business and, and uh, I was, you know, hadn't really been playing seriously. And boy, I tell you what, I had to, I had to really step on it and get my chops back. Right. But uh, we went out and we did about a four or five year run. And that was a, that was a hell of a lot of fun because I really wasn't expecting to do that. So it was cool. And yeah, no, but it's, it's sort of great. sort of the way you're talking about sort of everybody being friends and maintaining those friendships, even, even when, you know, you weren't in the band anymore. So, yeah. uh, you know, you, cause you never know when that's going to come back around, you know, 20 some odd years later. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, and then, and then basically uh rough cut got offered the uh, monsters, which was pretty good money. And so we decided to do it. And, and it turned uh, into that's, that's how right. that's how I got back here, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, Dave, something I wanted to ask you about is that uh, you were part of uh, Hearing Aid, and I think uh, people kind of forget about it. Uh, it was basically the 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 heavy metal, hard rock, We Are the World, or Live Aid. Talk about doing that and collaborating with you know just some of the people you got the chance to work with by being involved in that. Well, that was both of us. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, you both did it. All right, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's only it's only in Dave's bio, so I didn't realize you both did it. But uh, yeah, Dave, talk a little bit about it. Well, it was really uh, Vivian Campbell and Jimmy Bain wrote the song with Ronnie. And uh, Ronnie, when he heard Michael Jackson, I hate to speak of the dead, but when he heard Michael Jackson kind of made a comment in an interview that he didn't expect anyone from the heavy metal side, the hard rock side of music to participate in the famine relief. Okay. And that really yeah. brushed him the wrong way. Hence, hearing aid. Okay. Yeah, sure. Through our manager, we put out the feelers, 
the D.O. Camden. Uh, we had everybody from Mark Stein, from the Vanilla Fudge to Ted Nugent. Okay, that includes Alfred, Neil, Kevin Dubrow, Ronnie, you Cinderella's know, Aaron, guys, Blue, everybody Oster from Blue Oyster Cult. Brad Gillis came in from Night Ranger. Neil Sean came in and played. It was um, it was a hell of a day. It, it was one of those things where everybody came together humbly, yeah, and it was for the project, yeah, you know, and everyone was dedicated. I mean, Jeff Tate and Paul, our singer, some of the greatest vocals I've ever heard in my life. And whenever Ronnie put together the choir, because <laughs> being as great of a singer as he is, he sure. had to look at this in a production way of tenors and sopranos. And you know what I'm saying? So he had to place people on the choir. Bleachers, Strategically. You yeah. know, and... And, you know, everybody didn't have a mic, so it was a few 421s strategically placed. But when I heard those vocals come back, what was it, 50 guys, 60 yeah, guys or something? You know, yeah. And it was a gang vocal thing yeah. for the, for the chorus, the chorus yeah. but it had melody. And then when you, you could actually listen hard and pick out Rob Halford, you know, his part. Yeah. Oh, it. Yeah. It was, the way that guy projects. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, uh, and and everyone pretty much put their egos in their hip yeah, pocket. They sure did. And we just had a great time putting that record out. And from what I understand, it did really well and raised a lot of money for the Famine Relief I think project. It, I think it wound up doing it. Did over a million. Oh, it that. did more yeah. than that. Yeah. Uh, rough cut. We play the song. At the end of our set now. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's great. It's kind yeah. of a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah, and it is a. It's like I, I don't know. I mean, I think some of those those projects were definitely of the moment, but uh, oh, yeah. you know, you'll definitely hear about "We Are the World" every once in a while. But uh, this was this. The, it's always interesting to me the, to hear a little bit about that, and that's great that you both got to be a part of it. And yeah. you know, I think that those things only work when it's not like you know. I I, I don't know. I mean you don't hear about too many of those things happening these days. Every once in a while, people will do a fundraiser for a really good cause. Yeah. But uh, I think it's, uh, you know, you have too many, everybody probably has too many representatives now, you know, too many agents and managers and, That's right. you know, and it's like, and, and like the musicians might not even ask for it, but their people are like, well, you know, he's going to need his, his own, you know, like tour bus across the street, but you know, without right. having to <laughs> share a green room with anybody and you know, then right. you're not able to raise the money because of that. But I I can remember times with I'm not going to say names, but friends of ours that each member had to have their own bus. Yeah, well, I mean the 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 most uh, the most famous story about that, I guess, and it was in a documentary. So this is this is no secret. The you know about, about the Eagles. I think it was uh, was Don Felder mem measuring somebody's room. And yeah. he realized his hotel room was bigger than his. And, right. you know, I, I don't, I, it might not be Don Felder. So let's just say one guy in the Eagles measured another guy's room and was mad it's that his the, hotel room was What you mean bigger. to say is that it gets that nitpick. Yeah. Oh, it gets there. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, and then look, you have other bands who it's like, yeah, we, we, we just stay in different hotels and we travel separately because yeah. that way we're able to still play on stage. Because in, defense, in defense of us, of musicians, 
you would be surprised. Like uh, I think the Slippery when we went to her with Bon Jovi, when they went out for that, they were on the road for over a year, just like yeah, Metallica was on the Black album. And man, either you've got very tight knit group, or you can get to where you're sick of being out there. Well, yeah. Now you, look, you know when. Rat was out for a year and a half yeah. doing Out of the Cellar. But see, they were still fresh. So, you know, success was new yeah. to them. Yeah. And they were still had that, that you know, that young. The bro thing. You know, bro, bro thing. thing and on. after that, after everybody, you know, had a lot of money, it was like now it was business. And that's when things started getting ugly. Weird. Yeah. And then when they lost Robin. And stuff. Yeah. But I'm just saying that uh, all bands, especially with success, kind of go through that. Yeah. Uh, to me, I mean, I love Dave. And for me, the ver my best version of Van Halen is when Sammy was singing in the band because of how popular they got and how many records they sold. But perfect example is Sammy was getting sick of not having any time because Eddie was a workaholic. He'd have to sing. He had no days off is what I'm saying. And they started eventually getting like yeah. this and that's what broke them up. You know? Yeah, I think it was specifically he, uh, Sammy. You know, look, uh, I, I don't, I don't know Sammy, but I hear him in interviews. He looks like a, he seems like a great guy. He yeah, likes he to have fun. He was he was on vacation and he had to like leave his vacation to record a song for a movie soundtrack. And right. I think that that was the final straw. And and yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, look, you can look at the two different uh, incarnations of Van Halen. You know, no yeah. disrespect to Gary Sharon, but people don't think yeah, of that. Absolutely. But when you talk about Dave and Sammy, they're very different bands. And I yeah. always liked both bands. I mean, I, I think that too. you know, I and and people. I think uh, Dave is a great frontman, and I love his style. But uh, Sammy is a great singer, so right. they were they were able to do some very different things. And uh, you know, I think that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, sometimes. Look, there's uh, there's no doubt. Uh, it, it's they're both pretty honest about it. Uh, you know, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards don't particularly like each other, but they do understand that uh, it's good for business for them to work together. So maybe they don't. Uh, maybe they don't. You know, uh, get together for Christmas dinner, but uh, they know that. Uh, you know, they've done enough solo stuff that they know, like, yeah, this really works better. You know, I mean, you and know, they figure out how to make it work. Yeah. To make yeah. it work yeah yeah you that's know what, it's, that's uh, what we've done that's what yeah. we've done we're uh we can't wait to release more music and and get out there i mean we're still so anxious to hit the stage now yeah yeah yeah, yeah and 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 as i as i mentioned earlier obviously it's rough cut with two t's rough cut official.com you can just uh google it you can find the video and uh, also on Facebook. Well, uh, guys, I really appreciate you uh, one making the time, but being so generous with your time. Uh, I feel like we could. I feel like we barely scratched the surface. We could have kept. Uh, we could have kept talking about uh, the Sunset Strip for another hour. But uh, it, I really appreciate both of you taking the time to chat with me, and uh, I look forward to hearing more music. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, like I said before, some of those uh, those tentative dates get firmed up, and uh, people will be able to see you out there on the road. But uh, Dave Alford and Chris Hager, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Christian. Peace. Our pleasure, brother. Yeah. All right. Care. Thanks again. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, would you look at that? There's a new episode of The Black Cast on my phone ready to play right now.
listening to Blackcast. I don't want to watch what's on the TV. iTunes that put on the BC. Podcasts on, no talking to me. Listening to Blackcast. Keep up on comics and movies. Two phone ring, I answer hoodies. I can't talk, call back if you please. Listening to Blackcast. You don't know what you are missing. Damn fine show hosted by Christian. He's just dope, no ass, I'm kissing. Listening to Blackcast. Click subscribe on this podcast You won't be the first, but don't you be last Listen while you pumping your gas Listening to Blackcast On this episode, it's Jean Grey Talking about the things that she say So distracted, didn't feed bay Listening to Blackcast Met this girl, she smiled in my face Blackcast insulated my place Had one beer, she brought a whole case Listening to Blackcast Cops knock on the door and listen Black hats on, they think I'm Christian Cops ran off, now I ain't trippin' Listenin' to Black Cast My point is, listen to this show Don't need me to tell you it's dope Rock so hard like Johnny Lithgow Listenin' to Black Cast Oh yeah, that's the Black Cast It's on the Ghost Twin TV or whatever I'm going to take care of some business, but I'm here to say, have a nice day, and listen to the damn show.